If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, at liveonfourlegspodcast and on Twitter, at liveonfourlegspod. You know, the thing about the thing about vinyl records is sometimes they skip. It's a Russian thing. Let me clean the needle for a second. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. Welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and today is the final episode, and when I say episode, I mean show, the final show that we're covering for 2020, and boy, this has been a long, strange year, and we're just happy to get towards the end of it, and there's light at the end of the tunnel, and we're, we're just glad we're there. We got some more things coming up at the end of the month, but this is the last show that we're covering. It's the final destination on our around the world tour toronto by gnarl this is going to be pretty good folks i think this is going to be interesting we're going to have a lot of interesting uh things to talk about so let's just get right into it randy sobel over here john farrar over there hello and uh john man we we did it we did like 40 plus countries i counted it the other day it was definitely (laughs) it was pretty close to 40 if not past it so what do you what do you think man how how how'd you feel about going through all these these places and and you know getting to witness uh what the fans were like and what was your biggest takeaway from all this yeah it's it's been really cool you know we started in australia new zealand back in the beginning of the year and i think the thing that the thing that sticks out to me is just how consistent they are at these shows like it would be it would be so easy for bands when they're you know playing to an unfamiliar crowd to just phone it in and play a greatest hits or play uh like a chalk set list and so many bands do that you know when they're when they go on these long international tours but Pearl Jam is just not that band man they're they're always going to bring it every single night no matter where they are no matter whether they're in Singapore or London or Chile or you know New Zealand or Canada or or Fargo North Dakota like it it doesn't matter they're that's that's just the kind of band they are and that's the thing that, that sticks out to me is the crowds and the the way that they respect the fans enough to to bring their a game at wherever show wherever they are yeah and it's it's pretty cool i think a lot of the shows that we did we purposefully picked the ones 
that had moments like that, that you can say, hey, this show from Oslo is specific and you can remember it because Strangest Tribe debuted. And out of all places, Oslo, Norway, when is that ever going to happen? That didn't happen in the States. It's just, it feels totally randomized, but it's also, you're right, it it is catering towards those fans uh, in those countries that wouldn't necessarily get that kind of treatment with with other bands. And, And even it goes back to the early 90s stuff too and seeing the ones in Portugal, like 96 Portugal. I think that one, pretty crazy crowd, and, and, you know, just, I think the band all getting used to it at that time and kind of getting used to what it was like to tour around the world. And and then, you know, you go later on and Ed's learning Spanish, he's learning Portuguese, he's learning all these different languages just so he can connect and communicate. And I think that's so important for the fans and the community within that, uh, within each country that Ed communicates them with them on this level because it feels like he's part of them. Yeah, I mean, he's he's making an attempt at, at that connection. You know, when we always talk about how he's really good at making a, an arena crowd or a festival crowd feel like a small club. You know, he, he's really good at, at making those connections with people and making it feel like an intimate atmosphere no matter where they are, and that's part of that. Yeah, and, you know, they keep kind of going back to these places because they know that they can get that kind of reaction. And then this right. this European tour that's going to happen and was supposed to happen this year is going to be very interesting because they're going to a lot of places that they haven't been to in a very long time, like Budapest. I don't think they've been to Hamburg since maybe binaural tour, if I'm not Wasn't mistaken. Wasn't there a Vienna, too, as well? Uh, yeah. I want to say there was an Vienna, Austria somewhere. I think they were in Vienna for 2014. I can't mm-hmm. quite remember. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of different places that they just they just don't go to, and and it's kind of you know I think they want everybody to have their moment uh, with them, and uh, it is it is pretty cool that that they they do kind of give out that fan service. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this plays out, and if we are going to get a European tour, obviously we have some vaccines that are moving around right now, and hopefully that can move in the right direction, but, you know, it's it, to, to me at least, I don't think that this is going to be 100% comfortable for a while. Yeah, but, I mean, think about it too. There's probably going to be a day in 2021 where those new tour dates are announced. Uh-huh. That's gonna that's gonna be a big day. Yep, it sure is, and we're gonna be on top of that whenever it happens. So, stay tuned. Actually, so this is kind of funny that we're doing this show today because these two shows they had back to back dates in Toronto on on the tenth of May and the twelfth of May. The twelfth of May was the last time that they played an arena show in North America. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's just that seems like yeah. an insane stat to me. And the first show that was supposed to happen in North America this year was supposed to be in Toronto. So it was supposed to kind of be like, you know, where it where it ended and back to where it began. So kinda kinda interesting that Toronto's in the middle of all that. Yeah, they've always had good shows there. You know, you go back to that uh, the twenty eleven with uh with Neil. This was absolutely fantastic and yeah, they've they've got a they've got a good history with Canada. You know, we're we're hitting this one as part of the around the world, but there there are so many other good ones we're going to get to. Yeah, we promise, and we're going to keep this promise. We we're promising to 
definitely focus on way more Canada stuff, especially Western Canada, because this is Canada's show number two in Live on Four Legs history. Episode number 110, but Canada's show number two. That That's pretty <laughs> poor, especially for how many shows they've played in Toronto and how many good shows they've played there. So, right. you know, we're sorry. We're very sorry, but we'll, we'll get to you, all of you guys from... Vancouver to Calgary to Saskatoon to Quebec and St. John's. We'll we'll try to get to everybody as much as we can. Uh, but like I said, this one is a really important show because they did binaural in full. And in 2016, you go back to Greenville. You were there. You go back to Philadelphia where they played 10. And, you know, you get these shows and they're kind of spread out because Greenville's in the beginning of the tour. Uh, closer to the beginning at least, probably like fourth or fifth show in. And in the middle somewhere you have that Philly show, and now you're ending it with binaural. So what do you like what do you take away from that? And just I know they were kind of far away from an album really, so it was a good time to do that. So, you know, why binaural and why this moment? Yeah, you know, you go back to, to 2014 and you think about you know, Moline and, and Milwaukee being just one show apart back then and that being such a shock to people, like, no code in Moline? Like, what? Like, right. I just I remember reading the, you know, watching the set list unfold on online that night and just being like, oh, my God. We got to think for, unbelievable. for both of us, we were at Memphis, I think, that's right. three nights that's before right. that. That's right. And, yeah, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, again, this is – this is kind of ushering in the new era where they'll just they'll just do anything. Like everything's on the table. You know, we've we've seen that in the last couple of years. We saw that in twenty eighteen. And, you know, they're just they're just throwing things against the wall and okay, you know, that's what happens when you get to be get be other old. You know, you have your relationship kind of changes with that stuff. Like, you know, there's no way they would have done that, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. But now they're a little more comfortable. They their fan base is a little more established. They they can it's again, it's all about giving back to the fans. So you go back to Moline and Milwaukee doing no code and yield and everybody always wondered like, Oh, what would be, what would be the next one? Will they ever do it again? And then, yeah, I mean, I, I was there in Greenville that night. Like the, when the realization hits you, you're just like, Oh my God, this is going to be unbelievable night. This is going to be so special. And like, I was just lucky I was there to witness it. And then, you know, you talk about the, the 10 Adelphia, the people that were there to get, to get that classic record, you know, in order, that's something we never thought they would do because all those songs have kind of taken a different place now. They have a different, a different kind of meaning and a different relationship with the, with the fans. But binaural is always the strange one. It's always like, well, the, well, they'll never do binaural, never. It's just too weird. They'll never do it. Yeah, right. And, and I kind of let me piggyback off of that because at least in the scenarios of verses and ten you have songs that everybody knows you can go to a show and they play full verses and most people are going to know go an animal. Everybody's going to know daughter. Mostly everybody's going to know elderly woman. Like they have songs that pretty much appeal to and spread throughout the, the casuals throughout the people that have maybe never seen or never heard too much from them before that are just going with a friend or with a uh, significant other. And then 10, like 10 has so many classic songs on it that, just kind of resonate through so many people. So and that, radio songs too. Radio, people right. that, 
people like binaural just didn't get played on the radio it, it didn't and it's it's a weird album it has a weird album structure which we'll talk about a little bit here which makes for kind of a weird live structure too so it's it's inter- it's an interesting choice and unfortunately i don't know if you felt it but like the there's no moment where you can say whoa they're doing binaural it's it was just kind of like oh okay this is happening like moline i feel like you felt a moment where the turn of the tide happening when when who you are when they were doing the drum beat for who you are but jeff was doing the bass line for for in my tree instead like you knew at that moment okay this is happening i think you talked about it when daughter hit at versus right. you said that's it this is happening uh obviously when you know I think they started the show with once and then even flow. I think you have to have kind of an inkling right there. Like, but you know, you get break or fall into God's dice and most savvy fans would probably know, okay, there you go. We're about to, we're about to do this. We're about to get the full album, but I don't know. They, I don't, and we'll get on, we'll get into this. I don't know if this was the perfect album for this. I'm just not sure about that. Yeah, it's it's one for the hardcore fans. Like, I would have loved to have been at this one. Like, I, I don't know that I would have traded Greenville for it, but it's to get all these songs in a row like this. People go back, you know, we talked about that Pink Pop 2000 show where they were, you know, these songs were fresh and they were, they sounded great. Like, we talked about it too, like how they they fit right in with the, with the Yield songs and the Vitalogy songs that they were playing. They they sounded so good live and you know you're again you're 16 more years on from that so you know a lot of them have not been played very often so they're they're not quite as fresh they're not quite as as you know tight on them as they were but it's still just great to hear them all live like i this is this one is more for the people who just want her in it for the novelty right And, and you know and now we wonder you know if we'll ever get the complete set you know they've done 10 they've done verses they've done no code they've done yield they've done binaural avocado but you know now the question becomes like will we ever get vitalogy will we ever get will they ever is you know does do we have enough of a of a relationship with backspacer that they would ever do a backspacer you know like what's going to be what's going to be the next one that's what people are wondering yeah before we get into the episode i do want to read a story this is from our patron andrew kerr who requested this episode a long time ago so we're finally getting to his request uh like we usually do we'd have all these outstanding requests from patrons and uh we end up getting to him at some point so uh this was an early one you know when we were starting to really pile up on patrons and i said you know what these Full album shows got to wait for big moments, and usually we have ended a year with them. I think we ended the year with Moline, and and I think we started the year with Greenville. So that kind of makes sense that we're bookending it with this. So this is what Andrew had to say. I had heard PJ on rock radio my whole life, but I began working with a guy who was a huge fan. So I became more aware of the band while making fun of Last Kiss regularly. The PJ20 documentary is what really got me hooked. Somehow I snagged some tickets to a night one in Toronto in 2016 at the last minute. Really all I knew was the radio hits, as well as anything that stuck with me from PJ20. They ripped into binaural, and I thought, damn, 
I, I don't know any of these songs, but myself and my girlfriend at the time rocked right out. They proceeded to play a pretty epic set after Binaural. I had no idea they had comfortably numb in their live shows, and being a huge Floyd fan, when they played it, it was locked right in. I listened to Binaural endlessly for months, and it still remains a favorite album of mine. That show got me hooked. I went to Wrigley and Fenway in 2018, and I planned to see Toronto, Ottawa, Hamilton, and Baltimore once this thing gets kicked off again. This show really lit a fire in me for this band. Thanks for doing this podcast, guys. Thank you for writing into us, Andrew. That's, that's fantastic. That's yeah, awesome. Thanks, Andrew. And uh, hopefully we get to see you in those places once this tour does happen, whenever it does, 2021, 2022, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, all right, let's kick into the show. They don't start off with the full album. They're going to get you, they're going to get a little taste of uh, what Pearl Jam has been doing in most of these shows in the early going. And uh, speaking of going, that's how we kick it off. And not just that, but we kick it off with the album intro to go. show this year and they did that um this is not something they do very often so to get this you kind of and i remember at that point like i was a little bit confused as to what they were doing i wasn't sure if they were going to go into go but once i heard jeff's bass was okay that that was a clue that kind of caught me that got me in and then you wait for it and bam right into the song so what a way to open this is this is great oh fantastic yeah, this is so great to hear. And again, it's, it goes back to that. They always throw in those little touches of things to make it special when they know it's going to be a special night. Do you think that because it's an album opener and because the way that they opened and started the song was the way that it was on the album, do you think that was kind of like an indicator as, hey, this is this is like opening an album here? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, they, I'm sure they did that on purpose, absolutely. As a little teaser, like... You know, if you're if you're paying attention, here's a little hint. And did they did they do that at Greenville, or did they just get into go the normal? Way? They, I, I think they just went into the normal way because I think Corduroy opened. Right, and, and then, then they then said, "Let's then, play some records." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one thing from this show that is interesting. They don't really address it until something happens. They're just like, "Okay, yeah. keep playing, keep playing, talk about some songs, keep playing," but they don't address or ever say like. Hey, binaural, but they're not ones to do that. Right. You have to be in the know. Yeah. Exactly. So after go, you get do the evolution and mind your manners back to back. And I think the hits kind of need to kick you off here because there are going to be fans in this crowd that that just don't know what's going to be happening. And, you know, once you get into that middle tier after nothing as it seems and and thin air, like not a lot of people are going to know those songs so you know just kind of get their attention early i think those two songs were the way to do it oh definitely and yeah i mean mind your manners 
especially is is not one that we, we it seems like we always kind of just kind of gloss over but this was like fast and pedal to the metal from second one like it 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 just tore into it was it was really good like just a, a great way to to lead into to buy on that's it yeah no i, I think when, when ed kind of gives you that howl at the end of live it howl it's just that's that's when you know like you need to start with that that song because it's just gonna hook you right away i i, I love when when that song has that feel to it it just brings that energy right at the beginning of the show, of the show. it's the best spot that you can put this on ready to make a night of it and uh well they got the day off tomorrow because the raptors are going to be playing there so i wonder that had to have been a quick change off on the fly right because you know they don't know that the playoffs are happening until uh i guess a certain point because the raptors advanced to Hmm. this is probably the second round of the playoffs you would think yeah i don't know yeah that's interesting yeah they might have had to work around this yeah i'm sure they had some crews working all night right so, yeah, <laughs> that's got to suck because they got to tear everything down. They got to build everything mm-hmm. back up. Yeah, that's that. Ooh, for that being the last day of the tour, thank goodness that that was the last day of the tour because that you need you need a break after that. So anyway, he says uh, this is the 14th show in Toronto, 14th all time. So they've played 15 total shows in Toronto, and he looked up the first time they played October 1991. You can hear a guy say Chili Peppers in the background. They were opening for the Chili Peppers back then. Yeah. Uh, and they played seven songs that night. And uh, here's them playing lip service to the crowd. Tonight, maybe we'll play 9, 10, 13, 14, 20, 25, on and on and on. We're going to play some shit. So this is hyping the crowd, getting them pretty excited. And then, boom, you have that kind of that, that long chord and, and bass line, that Who-inspired uh, riff that gets you right into Breaker Fall and that big scream in the beginning. That starts you off with Binaural here. think so because you know break or fall could fit in that number four spot that's not unheard of and and you know binaural is a long record it's 13 songs so you gotta you gotta start early i think they did they, they did the right thing by kind of bookending it with with three in the front three in the back i think that was again 
done 100% on purpose. Like, that's, let's let's get three ones that people know ahead of time, and let's put three that people know on the end to kind of bookend it. So sure. I thought it was, yeah, bookended very nicely. And 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 McCready, I think, coming right off of Mind Your Manners, he's, he's still just feeling that on, on Break or Fall. This is a absolutely great version of it. they know he's putting a little bit of extra emphasis on it saying all right yeah this is yeah. if this is the way we're going to kick off we're, we're going to do it my way and, and this is a hell of a way to start the record absolutely so god's dice comes in at number two it's There's a lot of songs that we're going to talk about that can fit really nicely into this category, but it feels like God's Dice is something that we've completely skipped over in 2020. So, this is God's Dice Appreciation. What do you think? The rolling drum intro right into this, it's a really tight live song. Every time I listen to it, it's, you know, it's a tough one to kind of get the crowd to sing along with, but... It just, it plows right through. It's a th- three-minute track, and it gets you kind of juiced, kind of amped up. It's, it's a great, underrated song. Oh, absolutely. I, I love the song. It's one of my favorites on this record. And, yeah, like I said, it, you know, put a gun to my head and ask me to name Pearl Jam songs. We're gonna, we're, there's going to be a while before we get to God's Dice, but that that doesn't mean anything a part of my appreciation for it. I love the song when it... I love when it when it kind of slows down and it, it gives us, it kind of breathes a little bit, like kind of gets kind of airy. It's uh, people always forget about that part, but it's so good. And this is a this is a Jeff song, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Jeff Jeff songs are always interesting. He he has a, he has a certain way that, of songwriting that's different than Stone, that's different than Ed. So his songs kind of always stand out like that. It's oh, it's it's really good. Love it. And you got to think about how the original construction of the album laid out there were 16 songs on it and god's dice was actually left off 
for songs like yeah. Education in the Moonlight, Fatal, yeah. uh, Sad, a bunch of those that absolutely deserve to be on the album. But I can't see Binaural without this song. Well, I think too that this was probably a late one too. And if and if he, and he doesn't tell the story in this one, but there's another show where he tells the story that originally the song is called God's Balls because <laughs> right. all God's balls, like it rhymes. But I think they changed it at the last minute to God's Dice. So that that was probably a last second change which, which got it on the album. But yeah, all God's balls would have been a great sing along. Absolutely, we we can only imagine what that would have turned into. That would have been a really tough number two track to sell to the record executives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was probably why they just changed it. <laughs> great nonetheless, and great to have it here. And hopefully, we get it again soon, so we don't have to do another God's Dice Appreciation Day at the end of 2021. So, I would think after two songs, this would be. If not pretty obvious, then you have to have some suspicion if you are a hardcore fan. So, uh, again, it's not like No Code, which was kind of a slow burn before finding out, or or with verses where Go and Animal really kind of isn't uncommon to hear together, and Yield was announced ahead of time. So the expectation here is, is nowhere. That's really interesting. I mean, you can just imagine this. It's it's polar opposites, right? They're they're the people that you know when evacuation starts, they're the people that are like, "Holy shit, binaural! Like it's happening! This is one of those nights." And then they're the people like, "What song is this? How, right? What what are they doing? Like I don't know any of these songs. It's it, you got to think it's either one or the other." Yeah, and it's kind of you're right. It's hot or cold here, and people are going to be really into it, or they're just going to not be and. Uh, and that's just it. But honestly, I think for anybody that has studied the band, this is an important moment. So uh, Ed kind of mentions, he tells this story, and it's a pretty long story, kind of drawn out a little bit, and then kind of takes a different direction. Um, that they were in their hotel this afternoon, and the fire alarm went off. And usually you would think it was a drill, but we had to evacuate. And uh, he just kind of babbles on and on. And he talks about some situations that happened in uh, Alberta and gives a shout-out to firefighters and first responders. I don't necessarily remember what yeah, happened. Yeah, I went there and looked it up. There, there was, it was wildfires. Wildfires, I okay. think there was like almost 100,000 people that were displaced. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a big deal. Yeah, it had just happened, I think, two or three days before this. Okay. So a lot of the country was like on fire. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a tough situation any way you slice it. But whenever it does happen, Ed kind of gives his uh, little take and, and uh, tries to keep everybody, you know, sane and safe and everything like that. So it's, it's good. And then he'll bring something up later in the show. That's, you know, was icing on the cake from that, but you can hear somebody in the crowd say, do you even know what they're doing? Did you notice that? <laughs> I, I listened for it. I couldn't hear it, but okay. yeah, I mean that shout out to that guy like that. We're, we're with you. That, that would have been that would have been me too. So I'm with you. I, if I had been there, I would have I would have given you a high five. We, we would have been we would have been giving each other the the look like yeah. <laughs> so it hits right into evacuation. Third song off the record. Not only the third song off the record, but it has the third longest drought of any of these album songs. The last time it was played, Amsterdam 2014. That's 52 shows that we haven't seen it. It doesn't seem like a lot. But before that, the first time they played it was 2009. So that's kind of an indicator of how completely rare the song is. 30 times that it's been played. And uh, 
gotta think the binaural tour was so long that, you know, there were, what, way more shows than 30 on that. There were probably like 50 or so. At least it wasn't played a whole lot on that tour. So this right here, if you're a collector, if, if you like the rarities, this is this is one for you for sure. Well, I think the, the famous line is, it's like Pittsburgh, it's got three bridges. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is, oh, it's just a difficult song it to is. play. I mean, this is a Cameron song. So, you know, like, songs written by the drummer are always weird. And it does have three bridges. It's He always messes it up. And since that 2000 tour, whenever they try to play, there's always a screw up somewhere. Uh, this one is pretty good. You know, I give, give them credit. They're sound checking it probably. But it's 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 another one where, you know, we talk about glorified GE from that versus show where Mike does the fist, fist bump. Like, yeah, we got right. through it. Right. This is another one like that. Like, it, they're just happy to get through. I, I was watching Mike in this, and Mike is clearly just paying attention to what Stone's doing. Right. And his face was like, how the fuck do we play this again? And like you said, Matt's songs are really tough. There's like three bridges. There's a lot of quick changes. Um, my expectation is never going to be high for a song like this. So to to pull it off and for it to sound like a pretty decent performance, hey, that's that's a good step. Definitely. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's on the record. You got to do it. Exactly. So moving right right along, track four. Ed says we're going to sing this for a person who we lost who is profound in our families and communities and we think about every day. And then sadness so deep, it gives us the hope to, to be a better person in every way, each and every day, just in his memory alone. And so if, if you have someone like that um, and you've had that experience recently, one, I'm, we're sorry for your loss, and, and two, maybe we just invite them all into the middle of the room and. We can play this one for him together. Yeah, he's. I, I love the intro to this. I, you know, he just kind of says, you know, let's let's just all let's just invite them all to the middle and play. It's just it's just beautiful. And he starts it off way too fast. Like it's it's almost he's trying to turn it into like a bouncy kind of a thing. But you know, Cameron settles it down and he kicks in. I think they, they kind of get back back into it. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great. I I, I love the song. It's it's one of my top five. So I. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. I like when the song has a warmth to it where it has uh, kind of the same kind of warmth on the record where you're singing to a lost loved one and I just felt like it didn't exactly fit the well thought out and well spoken quote that Ed had said beforehand. Um, it just, I don't know, to me, I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but it just, it was, it was just a little, a little overdoing it. I don't know. I, 
again, it might be overthinking it. And it's a challenge to play 13 songs in a row to, that you almost never play when you look at how many times they've played these songs on this tour. Uh, this is actually the song that they played the most, five. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, they had just played it. I saw them in it was Columbia, which was just maybe two and a half weeks before this, and they had played it then. Yeah, yeah. So number five, nothing as it seems. seems feel like they should be back to back on the set list together yeah the thing is it seems yeah and again it it fits right in the spot where this would normally be the eden flow spot for for mike to take the stage and to have his moment so nothing as it seems i think fits very well here in the flow of the set list right and this is kind of i think if nothing as it seems is played it would be bumped up a little bit to maybe where either evacuation or god's dice is yeah so it's interesting and it's always a highlight of the show because the expectation is pretty high for it you know you're getting a good mic song but i I, i'm i'm still waiting for a moment from this set break or fall was one of those moments but i'm waiting for like that moment where you can pick out and be like that's the one from the binaural show and i had besides break or fall we're gonna get to it but i haven't found that moment Okay. I didn't find it with, with nothing as it seems. I don't know if you felt the same way. Well, it's it's tough because in the in the video during Mike's solo, they're just showing Stone and Matt, like they're just showing Stone kind of bopping his head, doing his thing, and and you get like he goes over to to Mike a little too late. And you see him like kneeling on the ground doing like a a Hendrix Woodstock kind of a thing. Like he's got his guitar out like in front of him. And he's can tell he's really into it. it it looked like a kind of a holy shit moment and obviously the solo and nothing it seems is always great he always kind of elevates the song to another level but i wish i i wish we could have gotten to see that whole solo of the performance of him it would have been would have been interesting to see like what he was feeling at the time but yeah nothing it seems i thought it was really good ed makes a speech and this is actually a really good one and we talked about it on the show before while discussing thin air i, I hope we like playing this one because this this is going to be like it's like a straight out love song it's going to be played everywhere we're going to have to play it every show for the rest of our lives there's not a problem i just love this song and i thought this is going to be a, a crazy like if we ever had like a popular song this is going to be the one you know and i and I, and I thought we should really make a video like, like Japanese karaoke with two paid kind of intern actors walking in the sunset, feeding each other grapes, and then the lyrics would be on the bottom and the bouncing ball would be... Um, it turned out it wasn't like a, a big radio song or anything, but I still think it's fucking great. It's <laughs> a great love song. It's a lie when 
Thin Air isn't one of my favorites off this record, I can see this being a popular song for sure. Well, then they should have made it a single. I, Ed, like there were a lot of missed opportunities with this with this done album. That. Yeah, you were in the band. Maybe it's because it was a Stone song, hmm. and Stone didn't want it as a single. I, I'm just I'm grasping at straws yeah. here, but yeah. But again, uh, some great like again some great information about Thin Air that that we didn't we didn't know. Sure. So, but yeah, Thin Air. I thought it, this was this was a highlight, and then you get the uh, the great moment where he sees the. Uh, the guy singing in the crowd and goes out to sing with him. with a McCready J- Mariners shout jersey. out to JP JP yeah that I could have swore when he went up to him I'm, I thought okay Ed knows this guy this is a guy that he met backstage or something like that he's he's gonna know him and he no just just found somebody re- randomly and connected with him yeah. and that that's just kind of what he does and uh it's just a nice little moment he says I'll meet you after the show handsome and uh I'm sure that's a moment that JP will never forget so very cool very very cool also the stats on it if you want them 42 times that they've ever played thin air and it had been 31 shows since, since they wow. played it in 2014. So yeah, it's almost like he was he was recreating that music video idea live with him and JP. Sure, the, yeah, I didn't even think about that. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. That's that's a great great visual. Absolutely. So we're kicking it back into gear now uh, with a song. This really feels like kind of the meat of the album. Where now you get the rock song, now you get the arena song, and it kind of kicks back into gear. kind of craps out on them a little bit and I thought it was Mike's because he's just walking around in circles it fixes itself but I, that was an interesting it was interesting I didn't know what to take of it yeah there's a couple of look like what some wrong notes hit or some something was off at the beginning but again like a song that you feel like it gets played a lot but it really doesn't so yeah it's another one where they're just trying to <laughs> That's a theme recurring to this too, where they're just <laughs> trying to get through some of these songs to get to the to get to the ones that they know. But yeah, insignificance is another one that it's that again. That I'll go back to that Pop 2000 version. So good, it's so powerful, and the song like it, it can sometimes get to that level. And this one almost got there, but it it, it didn't quite hit. Like it, the song normally does, but it's it's a great song nonetheless. One, one of my favorites on this record. 36 times since they had last played it from this show uh, back in 2014. And this is the last time to date. So this is... Wow. Yeah, they didn't play it in 2018. They didn't play it in any of the ballpark shows. That's a travesty to me. 
did they have they done evacuation in thin air since then? Uh, since we're talking about it, or uh, God thin God. air? Yes, thin air. They played at one of the ballpark shows. I think Seattle uh, evacuation. No. Wow. Uh, God's God's dice. God's dice. Yes, they played it one more time. Breaker Fall. They played one more time. Uh, just never get these Yeah, yeah. Of the girl, three more grievance only once. Rival, they didn't play at all. Sleight of hand, they haven't played. Soon forget. So wow, wow. <laughs> exactly. This, yeah, this is how rare it is, and this was probably the moment where they said, "Okay, if you want all these, you got to be in the the, mm-hmm. the right place at the right time." So, of the girl, we're at track eight here. Side they were just kind of figuring it out and okay, just trying to work through some of the songs that were a little tougher. But side B, I, I feel like this is where they've they figured out what they were doing and they figured out okay, we can get through these these tough ones. Right, and of the girl is a good kind of reset mm-hmm. moment for this because it's one that that they've opened shows with. They played it two they, night, nights before this. Yeah, I mean they they know what to do with it. They know how to make it good. Everybody knows what they're gonna do and how to how they're gonna play it, so that they're a little more comfortable with it. So yeah, that I think this this comes at a good spot. In the set. Yeah, my, and Mike's little parts. He has like these intricate little parts in that kind of transition from from uh, chorus to verse here. And one of those solos, maybe it was the second or third one, probably like eight seconds long, and I thought it was the best part of the song. That's a function of like, hey, we're we're just we're doing this loose, like you know, they're they're not worried about you know trying to play hits or anything. Like you know, you're you're in the middle of playing an album that not a lot of people know, and not a lot of people rank very highly to put it one way. But mm-hmm. so why not just have fun with it and go for it? Yeah, and uh, there there you have it. Especially like you said, this one is one that they are more comfortable, more familiar with. So uh, one that this is insane how this is one of the most underplayed songs in their catalog it's played a whopping seven times since 2010 grievance how do you even defend that how do you even defend that
Grievance should have been the number one single off this album. Without a doubt. Hands down, it should have been it. And maybe it would have sold a couple more records. Maybe it would but it's it's a statement. It's it's a it's a thesis statement for, yeah, for this record. It defines what the idea of this record should be about. It's kind of angry. It's kind of pissed, and it's kind of a changing of the guard. We'll see the full change in Riot Act where they do get a lot more political. But grievance is that grievance and insignificance both are really that kind of that transition into that that phase of poetry. Yeah, criminally underplayed. 23 times since they had played it before this show in 2015 one of the uh, South American dates they played it and they played it one more time at Fenway which I was at and uh, yeah like this just needs to be played more often it's a great map performance and you know I, I just don't understand I don't understand why this one gets the shaft out of albums because it was on this record I, but even even with songs, uh, some of the other songs yeah. on this record, they play a little more. Seven times in a full decade is is wrong to me. It seems like if you would if you would ask me, I, I would have thought it had been more. Because yeah. the, the song has been played 145 times altogether. Mm-hmm. So that that should speak a lot in 2000, a lot in 2003. Yeah. Right, right. So, but I mean, great performance. Like I said, side B is 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 the one for me. Here we are with another very, very rare song. It's the 10th Rival. same feel with a riff like wash it has the same idea where it just kind of is like a boat in water where it's kind of adrift and uh rival is is just that man it's it's another vastly vastly underrated song from their catalog they busted it out at a show that you were at in the store right jacksonville yep so how did the jacksonville sound um it was good it was very unexpected i think it was at the end of the first set end of the main set if i'm not mistaken and those drums kick in and i think it even took me a minute to be like what is oh wait this is rival okay (laughs) right like it was just one of those things like i didn't even it didn't even click with me at first like because you never even think about it it's just another one like a deep cut off this record that that you never think about yeah i was i was thinking if i were at the show and knew what was going on within evacuation what am i thinking what songs am i looking forward to hear off this record and, and rival i, I think it, because it's so rare because it's so uncommon even back when they were doing binaural it just feels like it's interesting when you listen to it and and just their take on it too it's a little bit down tuned but it still kind of has it still vibes it still has that same album vibe to it it's not going to be the pink pop 2000 version where ed screaming yahoo and all that but it 
you know, it's a good it's a good balance between what grievance and sleight of hand is for sure. Yeah, and it's it's kind of weird. It's got kind of that weird kind of swampy kind of backyard stomp thing to it. Yeah, but that's it's maybe also what I was trying to say. Stomp, yeah, like, it's also got a little bit of that like nations are about to explode and like you want that you know that should be a really powerful like crowd sing-along moment but it just it never really has been people just never kind of latched onto the song and it's it almost reminds me of like a bush leaguer or something this is mm-hmm. almost like a like a precursor to bush leaguer where it's got that same kind of weird rhythm to it that that stone does sometimes yeah it's a it's a strange song weird song dark lyrics and everything like that yeah dark subject matter um when they busted this out at jacksonville it was the first time in six years 135 shows it's only been played 22 times so again if you were asking for all these you had to be at the right place at the right time this was (laughs) going to be the place uh sleight of hand is next and um you kick right into it and ed is a little bit excited to to get in on this song You know the thing about the thing about vinyl records is sometimes they skip. It's a Russian thing. Let me clean the needle for a second. stone no what do he just shook his head in shame he was just no. oh, ed yeah. ed what are you doing came in way too early like let's like that... we, we practice this come on <laughs> exactly and and this is one that they've played more often this is you know 49 times in their history which is way more than than rival or evacuation but it's not common but at least it's once or twice a tour it shows up it doesn't have a a big delay like and, and another just great underrated song in their catalog was why hasn't this one gotten a lot more recognition and notoriety like it's, it's so good like when when it kicks in at the end like it's really powerful and it's, they do a really good job with it it's, this version is great I love this song I wish wish they would play it more you know it's it's one of those that again on the back half of this record that you never think about but when it hits you in on the right day it hits you hard it really does and i think you're you're right because when listening to this record for however many years 10 15 years and and you get towards the end you're kind of after grievance you're you're trying to figure out whether or not you should just move on um and sleight of hand was really never one that stuck with me because it was just kind of it was just out there i I didn't know how to make of it saw it live in brooklyn and that's when i'm like okay i should pay more attention to this song because this song is actually pretty damn good and after that you kind of you know once you get older 
you kind of can relate to the themes a little bit more and you kind of understand who the character is. So yeah, especially this version. This version really, really powerful towards the end of the song for sure. You know, when, when, when the, the record skips, that part, that's really the first and only time that Ed recognizes that they're playing this album in full. And, you know, I, I, it, I wonder if people are picking up on that. Like, are, are, are there people in the crowd that are saying to the person next to them that are, that's obviously singing all these songs and feeling it? Are they saying, hey, what is this? What's going on? Or, like, what, what do you think that person is thinking of this? Yeah, I think you're you're spot on there. I think there was a lot of like pointing, tap, tapping on shoulders. Like, what, what's going on here? It, uh, you, you seem very excited about this, and I, I'd like to I'd like to share in you and your your feeling there. Can you can you explain what's going on? Yeah, because it's just so like we've talked about this whole time. Like these songs just never get played, and to get them all back to back, I'm sure some people thought like. Do they have a new record that we didn't know about that I don't know of? Like, just as it's a strange choice, and that's why some people thought they they would never do it. Like, it just doesn't have those those moments and those songs that some of those other albums do, like we talked about. But I mean, you, you have to kind of make them as you go. And yeah, sleight of hand, I think, is one. This is this is one of the highlights of this of the album performance. I think it's it's fantastic. I equate this and playing the album in full kind of to when I saw Bruce on the River Tour. And they at least announced it was the 30-year anniversary of the River, and, you know, they're going to play the whole album. It's a pretty long album. I think it's like 18, 19 songs. It was pretty long. And the only songs that I really knew and could sing along to were Hungry Heart and The River. And it's just not an album that I knew from Bruce. I knew, I know, Born, Born to Run. If they did Born to Run, I would have been, okay, I know all these. Born in the USA, I know all these. Even like a really random underrated record like Lucky Town, yeah, I know that record. I'm I'm in. I'm amped by it. <laughs> but yeah, this that 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 felt weird to me being there and and not being a Bruce super fan. But then afterwards, kind of getting their encore with all the hits and uh, Thunder Road and and uh, Born to Run and all that, like that's when it felt like a real show to me. Uh, but you know, this moment could be the equivalent to that with a lot of people here. So, but however, Ed is keeping things entertaining and uh, this is an entertaining moment for sure. Well, this song was written about a, 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 a wealthy guy who was a, was a miserable fuck. And, and just kind of, just made you feel embarrassed to be a human when you saw what, what he did with his, his good fortune. And um, it wasn't written about anybody in particular, it was more of a general theory on rich fucks with no real, that, that are completely out of touch with the people that they work with or the, the people in their communities. Or, a little bit more but but now i realize it's 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 exactly about donald trump it's exactly about and uh boy did 
he not know what we were in for and he makes some jokes with this and uh says he'd have to go to canada if he could and and said that maybe canada would have to build the wall and if he moved to canada that he'd rename himself getty vetter so uh yeah just think about how things have changed so much since may of 2016 where it was kind of seen as well it's sort of a joke yeah a little more lighthearted. hearted the, the tone has definitely changed right when he came and, out in uh, 2018 when he came out in 2018 and would talk about this he was not there was no more joke and it was hey go go vote in the midterms and if he would have been out there this year you know they were going to do all those uh swing states in pennsylvania and uh wisconsin and minnesota and all those places he it was coming out again so you know it's it's important and uh yeah, maybe you can laugh a little bit about it at that time, but looking back, you're just like, oh, oh you, you don't even know, man. You don't even know. But thankfully, yeah. this feels like it's a celebration because it, it does feel like the song is more relevant in this current moment that we sit in than the hopeful moment that they're in then. Definitely, and I think it's a cool part, too. I think he he gets to the line about whistling and, like, Yes. Waits like waits for everyone to think. whistling. We're all whistling. Whistling. This is the lighthearted moment of this record, and it it's it certainly wouldn't be now. Yeah. Right. They don't do it. Again, out of these songs, these last two songs are the rarest of the bunch, at least at this t- stage in the game. They hadn't played Soon Forget in 60 shows. This is going back to the 4th of December, 2013. I want to say wow. that's Calgary or Vancouver, one of those shows, because that was pretty recent you know, on, uh, on the calendar. And then, uh, this was also the last time they've ever played it. So another one. Yeah. You, you would think that again, this year, if they were out there, they were playing those shows, this one would pop up a little bit. You would think definitely. So we we finished the album off with parting ways, and this is the longest delay of anything from this album. 69 shows since they played it. song and 
anytime I hear it, I'm just, give me more of this, give me more of Matt, and just that driving drum beat at the end. And it feels like the song is a lot longer on the mm-hmm. record, and mm-hmm. it just felt like they cut this off a little quick, that they could you know, they could have kept it going on a little longer. They could have kept it going on, and I, I just wanted more out of it. I really, this could be a very, very much a crowd favorite song if they decided they wanted to play it more. Oh yeah, it gets so heavy, and like yeah, you think it would have been like a five or six minute song, but I think it's only like three and a half minutes. Right. Um, oh yeah, it's it's wonderful, great. Love parting ways. One of my again, another favorite on this record that on the back half that that you just kind of gets forgotten about it's too bad because yeah it's it's amazing like yeah like i said when 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 that heavy part kicks in it's it's so good and it and again it hits you really hard if you're in if you're in the right headspace seen it too much later on you know in the future here so that's the end of the record any thoughts on just the whole thing the way it went down the feel of it what'd you think yeah i thought it was it's just cool that they did it because it's one of those things that you never thought you'd get it's 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 for the hardcore fans right this is this is not for the people who who know the radio hits and go to hear Jeremy and Alive and Yellow Led Better. This is for the hardcore people, and if if you knew, then you got it, and you and then it was very special. And if you didn't, then you just kind of shook your head and went, "Okay, sure." And again, I I love getting the behind the scenes information, some of the, the little stories behind the songs. I thought was great. And yeah, it's just, it's, they, they got through it the best they could. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's, it's a one-off thing. They'll, they'll never do it again. And it's just one, like you said, you, you had to be there to get it. And they know that people chase these songs. So they, they wanted to give the fans a treat, especially in Toronto doing two nights. Yeah. I mean, why not? I, I think it's, I think it's, it's great of them to do it. And I, I wish I had been there. Yeah, of course I wish there I'd, I'd been there too. Like that's a moment I think 
if either of us were there or were speaking to somebody that was there, I, I think that they would have a completely different story and mindset from it. From speaking to some people this week that were there, uh, they were completely shocked and, and amazed and, and thought it was wonderful. So I, I, I wish that we had some of that context. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it is a weird album. It's a weird one to do. And it, to me, it feels like they get comfortable with it around of the girl and they feel like they can have a little bit more fun with it and even if they make a mistake like they did in sleight of hand and and it kind of cuts the song off you know they laugh it off and and they say well the record skips and and that's that so i yeah it's it's a cool novelty it really is and this was the last time that they did a full full album show who knows if they'll ever do something like this again and uh you just kind of got to cherish it for the moment that it is so yeah yeah very very cool you know, yep. we haven't been through a lot of these songs. We haven't talked about a lot of these individually. So that was a good way to get everything in there. And uh, I think we'll get Rival again pretty soon in January, I believe. But maybe not see these other, other songs. Oh, we're doing it. We're doing a binaural era show in January as well. Hmm. So maybe we'll, we'll see them again. So we'll, nope. we'll be able to nope. kind of go back to this uh, and cool. compare a little bit. But I think this is a good time, too, to bring up that these album shows always just kind of fuck with the natural order of oh, the show. Yes, for like, sure. We we got to talk about it. like we it's it's very well put together. Like I talked about the the three songs at the beginning to to bring you into it. Then you play the album. Then you get these three songs after, which are great. Brings everybody back in. Obviously, you want to. They don't waste any time. Like okay, if you didn't know any of those songs, here's this. Right. But <laughs> from from here on out, like it's. It just messes with the whole flow of everything, and stuff gets thrown around, and stuff gets put in different places, and it's, it's just, it makes it all weird. But it can be weird in a good way or weird in a bad way, and I think this is a little mixture of both. I think a lot of people, I, I, I think it, it was a very mixed bunch from reading the reviews and the fan views on this because I think a lot of people. What they wanted after Binaural was not necessarily, you know, the Rearview Mirror Greatest Hits album. They and, wanted them to go straight into Riot Act. Like, can't <laughs> exactly. keep it and just keep going. Yeah, you can't. Right, you can't do that. You have to, you know, you have to play those hits. And I, I think what hurts this a little bit is that you're taking weird, different parts of the set and you're smashing them all in one corduroy which is usually played very early on once that's usually it's it's kind of a utility player so it, it gets moved around a little bit but rearview mirror is always the closer anyway you never hear corduroy and rearview mirror even in the same stratosphere so that's that's a little strange to me and i feel like a lot of this in in these encores are kind of just jam packed together to try to get all of those you know usually you get given a fly away away from a uh a state of love and trust or something like that but in this they're they're an encore too it's it's just a weird thing that they had to sort of regulate on this there's a little bit of tur turbulence yeah it's almost it's almost like they were kind of apologizing like okay we know we played a bunch of songs that you didn't know so here's like a lot that you do know <laughs> right right and look corduroy is great it's a great version. I think there's a crescendo at the end and and has a great feel to it. There's a lot of call and response to it, which we love. Uh, once once is fine, and the crowd's going to know it and sing along with it. And Rearview Mirror was a solid version of this as well. It's another great bridge, another roller coaster kind of bridge that Matt and Jeff are really playing off each other in. Yep, very good. 
we're at the Encore. There's not much more to say about that, but let's get into some things that are going on in the universe of Live on Four Legs. Like we mentioned, this is going to be the last show episode of the year, but we still got more coming in 2020, and it's good stuff. But uh, let's take a second to thank a brand new patron that joined up this week, Jamin Peterman. You can make the joke from Seinfeld, J. Peterman, J. Crew. Uh, but uh, thank you, Jamin, for joining up to our Patreon. Thank you, thank you Jamin. Uh, for anybody that wants to join up and contribute to the show, uh, patreon.com slash live on four legs or search for live on four legs on the Patreon app. John, I'm going to give this to you. What do the fans get for contributing to the show? Yeah, so you get a chance to pick a show for us to cover. You get a chance to uh, to listen to all the exclusive episodes that we have over there. We've been doing a Bridge School series all year. We've been talking about those acoustic shows that they've been doing throughout their history at the Bridge School. Some great stuff there. And we've been doing some evolution episodes. We we just had our release evolution episode that came out a couple of weeks ago. And we've been doing setlist drafts. We got another setlist draft coming up, I think, at the end of this month. So a lot of stuff going on over there. We always just and we always do, you know, you get a chance to vote in polls and we're always kind of throwing interesting stuff up there and it's a lot of fun and you know, we're very thankful for all the people that, that continue to donate and, and uh, you know, support us and you know, we just makes us wanna keep doing more and more for you guys. Absolutely. And uh, just a heads up, there will be some changes to Patreon coming up in 2021. And we'll let you know once the year kind of kicks in and settles what those uh, changes are. But there will be some structural changes to it. Uh, it won't affect anybody that is a current patron. But um, let's just say if, if you're interested in joining in Patreon, uh, get on it now. You know, because things are going to change and we're going to just kind of change our structure a little bit. So, yeah, patreon.com slash live on four legs. And uh, for a lot of you guys that are interested, we're doing the holiday party tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nine o'clock Eastern. And I'm going to send everybody the link. If you're interested, hit us up on our social medias. Hit us up on Twitter. Message us on Twitter or message us on Facebook. Or you can message me personally. Um... You can also email us live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's just going to be a celebration of the fans, the listeners, and the people that made 2020 special in the Pearl Jam community. And uh, there are going to be some people there, like uh, we know Sergio from Black Circle is going to be there. Uh, Ronan Javoni, who wrote the Not For You Pearl Jam in the Present Tense book, is going to be there. A couple of the other Pearl Jam podcasters are going to be there. A bunch of other members of the Pearl Jam community that you you know and love are, are going to be there and kind of speak to everybody, and, and it's just going to be a fun time. There'll be a, a house band playing some Pearl Jam. So remember, for most of you that did the Secret Santa, keep your gift. We're going to open them that night, and, uh, yeah, it'll be a whole lot of fun. Who knows what will happen. And I think, too, I think, you know, we, we, we've been keeping this a little close to the vest, but you might want to show up because I think we're going to have a pretty big announcement regarding – the uh the future of uh the show and some stuff going around that so that's that's all i'm going to say but uh it did you might want to tune in if you're interested in stuff like that because i think we got we got a pretty exciting uh thing we're gonna gonna announce there i'm excited for it yeah if if we're both excited for it i think that's going to translate pretty well to our fans because we know what what you guys want and i think you'll want this all right so that's that's the party that's happening on Zoom tomorrow, Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Like I said, 
just get in touch with us on social media or email us to uh, to get involved with that, and we will send you a link. Please do not make this link public. Thank you very much. All right, we're in the encore now where Ed starts off. He's remark- he remarks that the city has been great to the band and they're happy to be there. Lots of memories playing outside with the Ferris wheel, uh, playing with Soundgarden at the outdoor event. Yeah, and he talks about, uh, you know, playing with uh, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders, you know, great band from the 80s, you know, people, you know, Brass and Pocket and stuff like that. They've had a great career. Like, she's been around like a, a legend of rock and roll from, from back a long time. So that's cool, too. And he, and they get a little a little U2 tease, too, right? A song tease? A little bit. I think I he, he starts that. a little bit of, uh, plays that little high part of, uh, starts playing Where the Streets Have No Name, I think. Well, I, you know, I, it just, yeah, I'm not a YouTube guy, so it probably yeah, just went you, right over you're, my you're head. Yeah, you're not a child of the 80s. That was a little before <laughs> no. your time. Nope, nope. I, I know the song, but, yeah, it's probably not ingrained in my brain like it is for the rest of you guys. So uh, he also mentions the proceeds from the show were going to be donated to the folks in Alberta who need it and mentioned that climate change is real and uh, says that, that Canada is doing a good job trying to combat it. So bust out your phones if you want to capture this moment. They're playing a John Lennon song, Imagine. This is one, I, I'm at the point with this song where it's just kind of, take it or leave it here because I don't know. It, it feels, it doesn't feel like it's Pearl jam when they do it. It doesn't feel like they're doing it in their unique way. They're just playing the song. And and yes, you get to see the, the fireflies, the, the lights on the phones and all that. And that's a, that's a cool moment. And the, all, everybody in the crowd's going to know it, but it just doesn't feel like it, they own it, you know? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see because the song kind of, had it was a little controversial this year you know they had the celebrity version that was kind mm. of shit canned at the beginning of the the pandemic and we'll see if they actually bring it back or not you know i don't know if that kind of ruined the song for everybody but yeah i mean this is them just kind of embracing their classic rock side and i think we're gonna see that a little bit more yeah in, in the song core it's just it's it's it, i wouldn't call it pandering but i i think it's more just them thinking like we need to get some crowd moments in this show that we didn't have in that main set during binaural so that that's i think that's why imagines here true yeah that that makes sense and and you get to the next song the next song isn't common at all it's actually a lost dog Mm -hmm. and one of the rare 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 lost dogs so those people that were complaining on the boards of you know oh they're playing too much rear view mirror greatest hit stuff let me sleep is obviously not and uh once again you get ed telling the story of of a song and kind of the the background of how it kind of came to be says that this isn't the right time of year for the song but right now that this is perfect where we are right now this is the time where we're supposed to hear let me sleep uh but being in canada and being in the cold kind of reminded him of it uh because he said something about writing it to jeff's apartment he said, long, long ago in a galaxy far away in Jeff's apartment, we wrote this song. You know, you guys did that interview with the Freels and talked about... Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Did that... Did, it, they, it turns out, you know, they, they, you know, the rumor going around is they played it at their second show ever back in December of 90, even before that December 22nd show that, you know, the, the legend behind that is like it was a really snowy night, like that a lot of people, you know, the Five Horizons people weren't sure if the show even happened because nobody... Ooh. Ever knew they couldn't find anybody who was there. <laughs> Nobody knew, but evidently, you know, according to the Freels, they 
I mean, Mike, Chris Mike was played, playing on it. Yeah, and they they played Let Me Sleep that night. So yeah, that, maybe look, right after they wrote it, it could have been could have been that same week. Right. Yeah, and I should have pried more into that, and maybe at a later date, if we get to talk to them again, and they're great, they're they're awesome, and we can kind of oh, yeah. touch a little bit. Uh, but maybe at a later date, we can pry into that and see if they remember a little bit more. I don't know if Rick was there. Chris was definitely mm-hmm. playing with the band because I don't think Cruising was able to make. Yeah, from it was, what I understand. And yeah, from from all all accounts, it was like blizzard like conditions in Seattle right. on that night. Alice and Chains was were supposed to play and they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was a real nothing of an event, but you know something that again we have dug out and it's cool that that, uh, that the story was told. So should we talk about the performance? Yeah, it's yeah. Good. it was it was a little more a little more of like a folkier feel to it. I, I can I can buy that. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, do you have a connection to the song this time of year? Do you think about this song or any of the Christmas singles when when yeah. December rolls around? You know, I I do because I remember being fourteen, fifteen years old. You know, after we after we heard this song on the single, and like I would always play this song on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. You know, 1992, 1993. Like this is always my go-to. And yeah, I. Yeah, brings back good memories. Always, always like the song. Yeah, I, I think I was the same for a while. Or I just woke up and I would play it. And it has this, you know, kind of nostalgic vibe to it, where you can be back in that moment of a kid waking up on Christmas, and that's something I've never had. But it's something that I can kind of live vicariously through with the song, with with Ed's lyrics and all that. So it is, it is kind of unique. Yeah. A lot of times, even even to this day, like if if I make a playlist on on Christmas, like if I just want to put a bunch of songs together, and I'll I'll throw this on there. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good one, and uh, maybe we'll hear it again very soon. <laughs> well, we shall see. This next song is dedicated to Randy. I didn't know I wanted a Pink <laughs> Floyd song, but thank you very much. Now it was actually a female Randy, uh, probably a Randy with an eye. So, whoever that is, uh, <laughs> that's that's a nod to the the mention last week about about right. yeah right. okay so we don't have to go forward with that uh, but comfortably numb here. And we mentioned kind of the classic rock songs that are here in the set and this is again I, I think it kind of panders to that crowd that wants something familiar and, and you can give them a moment you know everybody knows this song from Pink Floyd fans and non-Pink Floyd fans and it, it's a moment where people can recognize that but it just doesn't feel like it's Pearl Jam's it feels like it's Pearl Jam just doing a cover. It's not a Crazy Mary where they make it their own. It's not even Rockin' in the Free World, Bob O'Reilly, where they make it their own. It's just, it's a cover. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know you don't like Pink this. Floyd, yeah, so. this one doesn't really do anything for me. Okay. Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, Mike is great on it. Mike is always great on the song, and mm-hmm. it's just not unique to Pearl Jam. That's, yeah, it, it doesn't sound like them. Like, it's... I... They, you know, we can go through their history and you can take songs like Sonic Reducer, 
even like a like a fucking up, like a Bob O'Reilly, and they've they've been able to to kind of put their stamp on it. But this one just it almost feels like they're just a cover band doing it. Mm-hmm. That's where I get lost with it a little bit. Yeah. Middle of the encore, even flow. This is, uh, I guess, if you take out the binaural chunk, this would be right around where they would play it, like ninth, tenth. If you, if I could do quick math. Yeah, if you restart with corduroy. Right, Mike is. I mean, this is a great Mike song. This is oh. this is great to bring the Full crowd back into Hendri- this. Hey, I just wrote down Hendrix. Like, hey, yeah, hey. and and not only that, but I feel like the chorus at the end, he's he's putting a little extra emphasis on that yeah. too. Yeah. And Ed does the does the we're not worthy bow when he comes back out <laughs> for the uh, after taking his little break during the solo. That that that'll reoccur a couple of times in the show too. playing the song and says he was the ultimate positivist and changes some lyrics in this to i think i'll throw these guns away so that's cool and interesting i don't think we get that lyric change very often yeah he'll he'll change that one he's done different things on it before i'm pretty sure but yeah i hadn't heard this one in a while at least so yeah very cool another and, good, and down's a great song like yeah great yeah a lot of good energy and uh yeah, two to get you into some big hits right here, Better Man in the Porch. And as much as I appreciate that you need these songs and these hits and these spots after a big record, it just it doesn't feel like they're big moments. It feels, I don't know, it feels along the lines of the rest of the versions of these songs, at least with Better Man, I thought. Porch, Porch was actually pretty good. Yeah, Porch I like, you know, you get the green lights coming down. And, you know, Ed's kind of doing the shadow boxing to them. And, you know, Mike and Jeff are kind of playing along with them and seeing how close they can get to getting hit with them around. So that's always fun. There's a really good, Ed does a really good scream leading into the solo. Kind of extends that a little bit. And then he kind of goes out in the crowd and does his thing that he, he, he does before. He'll stand on the, the edge of the crowd and do the hey, hey, hey. He's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's the kind of things you miss when you're just listening. But for the people who are there, Porch is always a great one. You get into the second encore now, and it brings up the Raptors, and that's crowd pandering, of course, and says, hopes the crowd is there tomorrow to, to bring it. Mentions, we the North, and say, well, we're up in the Northwest. He also says uh, he's a Dwayne Wade fan, which which gets <laughs> jeers from the crowd. So Were they power, playing Were they playing them in the playoff? Is that the I, I'm going to guess so. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to guess they were playing the Heat. Yeah. Says there's power in North because it points up. So that, I thought that that was a really cool line. Yeah. I'm going to have to Absolutely. take that. Absolutely. And now they play one for the back because they are an equal opportunity group. 
elderly woman and kind of like last week where we said you know they, they you know give some fan service to play it in the back but this one it felt like they were a little bit prepared for it. they had it set up a little bit better oh yeah by 2016 it was definitely a thing that they were doing almost every night i think and the crowd is so loud for this yeah. and you know when you get the 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 line change that's a pretty common line change glad i saw this place thank you for taking me the crowd eats it up, especially for a song back from the break, and you get great, great singing at the end of the song. They're very loud for this. Definitely. Give it a fly, State of Love and Trust. These these are like your middle of the set kind of songs that you're getting in the encore too. Like this is where it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, this sometimes normally, you get this them feels more like an encore one right set. Yeah, but it's again it you you have to kind of throw the regular rules out the window at these album shows. Cause you know, they're, they're doing, they're doing what they can to fit in these, these hits and these ones, the, these crowd pleasing ones. So yeah, you, you got to get them in somewhere after, after getting 13 rare songs, basically out sure. of the, out of the 19 in the main set. There is a good story before state of love and trust though. Ed was mentioning Jeff sideband random. And because he see, he sees somebody in the crowd wearing a full ski mask I guess that's their shtick, is they wear ski masks. Yeah, it was like an yeah, it was like a kind of an anonymous thing. They had like orange jumpsuits and yeah, full ski masks. Yeah, okay. it was their whole thing. Yeah. So Ed apparently went undercover and played with them and couldn't get through three songs. So introduces the guy that's in the mask as Matt Damon, who's actually in the crowd of at the show, which I was uh, I which huh. I read. Okay. So maybe that's that's why he said it, but no, that that wasn't Matt Damon, but right. Right. Apparently Matt Damon was there. So uh, performances are fine. They're, they're your standard, typical performances from 2016 of both these songs. Yeah, very Nothing good. Nothing bad about it. Yep. Uh, Black, what did you think of the tag? I mean, what, what kind of superlative do you want me to say? I mean, it's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> Great. Like, again, just add it to the list of amazing Black performances we've gotten, like, Again, you get this this time heals the wounds little improv that he will do, and it's it's just it's gorgeous. not an improv. It's, it's an actual song. Yeah, he's done it a few times. He, he's he's tagged this on there more than once. I think we we've talked about, but oh, it's it's amazing. Love it. Time heals. Time. This is one this where feels he, he goes into it. Yeah, he, he does a lot of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, very good version of Black. Great. Love it. Uh, gets into kind of a rare cover for them, The Real Me. Borrowing another song. They did a lot of borrowing at the show. And, uh, yeah, they, they don't play this too often. This is the last time that they played it. So uh, we never get to talk about it either. This is this is a good cover that they have. In the but, oh, it's, it's fantastic. And, again, it's 
this is I always when you know when I got to see it in Charlotte, I immediately looked to Jeff to see if he can pull off that that, that missile baseline. It's yes. unbelievably good. It's so great. And he does a great job with it. He does a great job here. It's and it's a, it's a good one to to kind of get the crowd moving near the end of the show. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is you know it's you're not getting a lead better or, or an indifference at the show. So real me is kind of taking the spot of alive here, and you know your precursor to your bread and butter, and you're getting alive with rocking in the free world. And alive has a cool moment in it. He actually says, uh, "We're all so lucky that we're all still alive." Oh, we're so lucky. Look at us. We're all still alive. started doing the the hey hey you know from the storytellers that we, we've mm-hmm. talked about and ed like picked up and started doing it like with him kind of carried it on i thought that was a cool moment too where he kind of like yeah okay yeah I'm, I'm with you on this let's do it so you don't usually hear that from him when anything like that happens and he sort of has to readjust on the, on the fly and think okay let's 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 play along to this crowd it's it's, it's cool because he's taken out of his own it's always uh, one of the best moments that you can get from the band. But here to close the show, rocking in the free world, they get a little guest. Her name is Donna Grantis, who's from Minnesota. She played with Prince for a while, I believe. And uh, she is fucking great. She was awesome. Yeah, she was in Third Eye Girl, which was Prince's house band or backing band for like the last couple of albums that he did. And yeah, they... Oh, unbelievable guitar player. Yeah, I think she she was friends with Mike. She actually released a, a seven inch record with McCready on his on his record label. I think that his little hockey talk to her hockey records. Talker, yeah. Yeah, a couple of years ago. So yeah, they they kinda became friends and you know we know that, that Prince tragically had passed away just a few weeks before this. Oh that so was before it was, that? I did, I thought it was after. Wow. It was the night of that Columbia show. Wow. Oh, and that's right. Yeah, and so this this is cool of them to to kind of bring her up and and give her a moment. But yo, she just rips uh, the, the the asshole off this song. They can't oh, yeah. put it in any better way than that. <laughs> vocals they you know either play a little bit of uh the rhythm section or something like that but no she she you're right she was front and center center of this crowd and, and ripping the ass a lot right now so fucking great great stuff how do you want to do this do you want to rank binaural differently do you want to give like your three favorite binaural moments and then your favorite non-binaural moment what do you want to do 
I think I'm just gonna. I think I'm gonna just treat it like a like treat it like a regular like show. we normally do. Yeah, I think All we right, have, fair I think enough. We have to. All right, um, let's do it. I'm gonna go chronologically in order of the show. My number one's gonna be that that intro to go, the original album version intro. Very special. This Again, is your, you're starting at number one. I'm I'm just I'm no particular order. I'm just given okay. three moments. Okay. But I'm starting in, you know, in order of the show. So that's number one. A little teaser, like we talked about, for what was going to happen. That was going to be a special night. Very cool. Uh, my second one is Thin Air. Him going through the talking about it and give, getting some behind-the-scenes info that we don't normally get. And then finding JP in the crowd, going and sing along to him. Very, very cool moment. And... My last one, you know, you, you could I could pick you know the soon forget moment was great, sleight of hand was great, light years I love, break or fall, God's dice, you know, let me sleep was a cool moment, but for me it's it's black like we talked about that version of black just again, just made me s- sit down and pay attention like I, you know you kind of like breeze through you're like okay binaural and then we're kind of breeze through this and you get to black and you're like okay you know this is good and then it, that that little tag hits you and you're just like oh man great. And as as good as Rockin' the Free World was that we talked about, that was, you know, maybe just outside the top three. But for me it's it's go thin air and black. Yeah, I think I think Rockin' in the Free World is definitely a memorable moment from the show and should get some recognition for that. Um but I'm I'm surprised you only went with one binaural track. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it plain and, and share my three favorite from binaural because it <laughs> takes front and center from the show and and right at the beginning of when they started like that solo in breaker fall is just fucking whoa that just set you back and that was amazing that was an amazing way to start and yeah it kind of got a little bit rocky for me in in side a but side b gets really good i really really dug of the girl i really dug sleight of hand i think if i'm to pick moments i would say probably sleight of hand and then parting ways for this because i really love this version of parting ways too so you know no no disrespect to soon forget and the storytelling there but um yeah those were those were some cool moments sleight of hand was really really good from this show it was um rating time let's figure out how we're gonna rate this yeah this is tough because i don't think this is a a perfect 10 show no but i don't think it's far behind from all the the rare performances that you get and you know this is one for the hardcore collector and i am one of those people so i would maybe give this a higher ranking than someone who is not one of those people so i'm gonna say this is a nine and a half yeah i this is tough it is tough because it's a great show but it but i don't think it you think of those album shows, you think they're going to be, oh, it's top, top. And this one is just below some of the other ones, I think. But right. still some really good stuff. Everything that came after in Moline was amazing. And everything that came after Greenville was really good. It's been a while since I've listened to 10 from Philadelphia and uh, and Milwaukee. I'm not even sure if I've listened to Mil- Milwaukee in full. But I don't know. It just left me... I don't know. It left me feeling kind of empty with this. It felt like there were two completely different sets. And yeah, there's the binaural part of the show, but then there's also everything else. And it didn't feel like they were all together. So I'm having, you know, there, there's a side of me that's saying for history's sake, 
how do you see it in 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 the light of history and it's very high it's it's within all the other albums or how do you see it within just your total enjoyment of this show and that's probably a little lower than than those i think this is so tough because I don't know if I want to make this personal or, or make this about history because I'm, I'm a collector too and I would have loved to be there. I would have loved all of those songs but you, you also have to think of a little bit of setless flow and a little bit of, you know, how condensed everything was at the end and I... Oh, oh I might get heat for this. I'm going to give it an 8. And a half... Hmm and a half okay. I'll, I'll give it an eight and a half okay it, it that's like right in between my idea of where it stands in history and how i i personally feel about it because i think where it stands in history is probably around where you said like a nine and a half or a ten because you just really don't get higher than playing a full album but you know this it as as a full show it needs to be judged fairly so there you have it that was that was a little tough to get through but i i judged as fairly as i could okay that was it (laughs) that was that was all of around the world we we done however many countries 40 35 40 countries what however many we did and it's done we did them all in one year so what the hell do we do next year guys what should we do i I think if we've gone around the world i think we gotta maybe time stay home time to go home why go home? We're going to do a Seattle series next year where we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the band in proper. We're getting the 30th anniversary of 10 and a couple other things that happened in 1991. And we kind of want to tell a little bit of the story that was happening within Seattle and and within the hometown because it's going to be you know, we're going to be doing it from all eras, from 91, 92 to 95 and 96, and a lot of good stuff from that era in, in 98 as well. And uh, we're just going to see all the great hometown shows. You you pick them. You name them. Mural, Mural Amphitheater, uh, Drop in the Park, 11 uh, 2000 Like, there are some legendary shows that happen in Seattle, and I think we... We need to give it its due. So that's what's going to happen in 2021. Hopefully the first show of every month is going to be a Seattle-related show. So if that's not something to look forward to, I don't know what is. That's going to be great. It is. Why don't we tell them what's going to go on for the rest of the year on this show? Because we're still going to be putting out an episode every week, maybe a little more. John, do you want to tell them? Tee them up for what's happening? Yeah, so if you guys remember, you know, we, we're kind of near the end of the year here, so we kind of want to do something a little more fun, you know, something for you guys to listen to over the holidays. So you guys have maybe heard us talk about this uh, podcast called Deprogrammed, uh, which is run by a very nice guy from Virginia named Justin. And they had done Pearl Jam, and I've, I've told this story before, but they, they had done Pearl Jam, but I, I didn't think like they really did it justice. They didn't really cover all the albums and what the show is, is they try to find a 10-song starter kit for a band if you're going to get into a band. But for all of us, we, we are, we're already into Pearl Jam. We, 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 we don't need a starter kit. So what we we had the idea that we would do like a uh, championship edition of Deprogrammed where we would take all their albums, divide them up, try to we, – we got a panel of I think you know six people, you and I included, and we're going to try to get down to the top 10 – 
favorite Pearl Jam songs. We're gonna it's it's kind of part game show, part music discussion. We've we've recorded some of it already. It got very heated. There are some <laughs> very interesting choices made. So I hope you guys yes. will check that out. But we're basically gonna gonna play tournament with with Pearl Jam songs, and we're gonna break them down and and talk about them and talk about which ones we like better than other ones. And we're gonna eventually eventually get to a top 10 and then a top one so if you're into stuff like that if you want to hear us argue about about which songs we like better and make fun of people who don't agree then uh, you, you want to be on the lookout for that next week yeah it's going to be a lot of fun and and i all i gotta say is just don't take it too seriously if we don't if your song doesn't qualify or we say it's in the trash like don't be offended by that that doesn't yeah, mean we just hate for the song play along if you want to let it let us yeah. know let us know what yours would be so yeah it's we're we're just kind of doing a little fun thing for the end of the year here right and we get it you know the the first episode will go through all like four groups like you said random out al- albums and that'll get us to 40 total songs then a second episode will come out on next Wednesday. That will be the finals where we go through those 40 songs. And then after that, we will also have a version of the songs that didn't make it, which are the Trash Pile songs, uh, which, again, isn't trying to offend those songs, but it's just And that's going to be for our, pa- for our patrons, so be on Yes, that's going to be for Patreon. the patrons. Yep, so probably maybe after Christmas, maybe the week after Christmas. Look out for that. So, uh and yeah, we'll do the last show of the year will be a best of the guests. It'll be a clip show. So if you haven't been tuning in for very long and you want to hear just what what we've done all year and just kind of a recap of it, and we'll be on to introduce this stuff. So you'll get some new content. And uh, for anybody that's a patron, you'll want to listen. We'll uh, do our Patreon roll call, which if you've like if you've watched the news at Christmas, you'll see everybody's name scrolling down because those are all the people that have worked on the show. Like we, that's, that's going to be our version for that to thank all the patrons and uh, people that have contributed and guest starred on this show. So we, well, uh, we had, we had some fantastic guests this year. I'm looking forward really to, to checking back with that. It was great. We, we figured out there are going to be nine special guests that we're going to highlight in this episode. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I think we, we have a lot to live up to in 2021, so let's see if we do. And uh, I hope you are all having a fantastic holiday season and uh, staying safe and staying warm. And hope to see you all at the holiday party. It should be a good time, and we'll you know, be back at some point probably. We'll talk a little bit about it at the, at the Best Of show. And, uh, yeah, I, it's just a good time of year to be around your family and uh, and get some good vibes. There's some good vibes going on at the end of 2020 for what was – mostly a pretty awful year all right but that's that's it for this one we have traveled fully around the world we've gone from japan to the philippines to australia to new zealand to norway to uh to germany to budapest to brazil to chile to argentina to mexico to canada those aren't even half of what we've done this year you know, we're forgetting England and we're forgetting Ireland and we're forgetting uh, Spain and Portugal. Like, Costa we did Rica. a lot this year. Costa Rica. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff done this year. We're very proud of it and uh, we hope you all enjoyed it. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the episodes. Most of them are very good, if not all of them. So check it on out. And uh, if you like the show, 
Give us a little bit of a five-star rating on, on Apple Podcasts. That would be nice. That would help us out a little bit. Give us a little push. So this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Thank you so much for a really a good 2020 and a good ending to 2020 when it got bad at times. Uh, it was good to, ha- to know that we can rely on just talking to you guys every week. So thanks for continuing to tune in. And uh, we'll, we, we may see you next week. Hopefully we'll see you for deprogrammed. But if, if not, we will see you in 2021. Some good things on the horizon. Take care of yourselves, we'll see you again maybe soon.